Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Hey, hey. Welcome. It's core belief time. It's core belief time. <laughs> it's number six. If you've been counting them down, it is number six, literally. And we've been teasing this one for a while. Stewardship. It's because I love writing thank you notes. And I understand that I'm in the 0.001% of people who <laughs> enjoys it. But today we are going to dive deep into this one. And I'm excited. Even if you're not a thank you note writer, we have something here for you. Yeah. Because we just really believe in a bigger global view of saying thank you and showing gratitude and it's really all about understanding who you're talking to and what would make them feel the most appreciated, thanked, engaged, etc. And wherever you are in the world, this is something everyone can do. Whether Absolutely. you are two years old, <laughs> you could say thank you or color a picture, or whether you are someone who can pour your heart and soul into something because it meant something to you. I mean, that is, we are coming into that space and we're going to give you some tips today that I hope will just have you reimagine the way that you connect thank you and impact together in your donor experience. Yeah. I love even thinking about it as like, it's either grabbing the megaphone or literally grabbing their hand. Yeah. just having a really nice conversation. Yeah. So we're coming at this from the standpoint of that stewardship at its core, it's the right thing to do. Right thing to do. Following through on what you said you're going to do with somebody's donation and also letting them be and feel appreciated for that gift. But beyond it's the right thing to do, and we're going to talk about all the ways to do that, it makes so much business sense to do this oh nonprofit. It will save you incredible amounts yeah. of budget, of of your time, and it is the purest form of flattery for totally. someone. Invitation, I mean, no longer. No, this is something that is new because it can be completely customized to the individual in the spirit of which their gift was given. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I just wanted to pause on because we were talking about this as a group before we started recording was, can we step back and think about what it takes for someone to make a gift to our organization? Yeah. If we're seeing them whoever they are, the, the proverbial day. <laughs> I mean, they're going to work every single day. Right now they're doing it maybe at home, you know, or with kids in the background and they are grinding it out right now, trying to figure out how to work in this new space and for them to be bird dogging it and yeah. working so hard to put food on the table, to pay mortgages, to do all the things we need to do to pay our bills. And there is a tiny sliver of expendable income left and they choose to stop go either to their wallet and get out their checkbook <laughs> or go to the computer and make an online gift. They pause, they think about us and it is worth their time and that little sliver of income to be able to make a gift to our organization. We need to treasure that. Yeah. We need to value that. So really that's where we would encourage you to start is just, it's easy when you're in the nonprofit space to just talk about donors and ups and downs and all those things, but really pause and reflect on, Oh my goodness, somebody literally stopped 
to do this. And we need to recognize that it's a human on the other end of the line that has all those competing interests and we need to treasure them. And I want to circle back to what I said about business sense, because if you've ever dived into or dove in, excuse me on the grammar to just the effectiveness (laughs) of nonprofits, retention, which just means getting somebody to give a year after year gift, right? To give again, is at 45% nationally. That means you're losing more than you're gaining every year. So if you're not growing and if you're not figuring out how to keep your donors to give, you're literally going to not exist after a few years, right? For first-time donors, it's even more dismal. It's like 25-ish percent give after the first year. So we believe that you can change that and you need to start with incredible stewardship. And we even say steward relentlessly relentlessly, which I've been so paranoid to say that on the <laughs> podcast because I'm a garbly goo kind of speaker anyway, and that's a tough word to say. But we really do want to set the tone that this cannot be something that ever stops. Right. It has got to be a part of the rhythm of what we do in our business because it is so absolutely essential. And it really can be a starting place. If, the starting, if you're starting with thank you, then the way that you're going to build momentum to build that snowball going down the hill. And I want it to be, I shouldn't have said snowball because now it seems foreboding. Like it's going (laughs) to knock me over. It's not, it's something that's gaining momentum, getting a movement. Imagine if you can just keep showing impact over and over and over again. I never feel separated from my gift. I never forget about it. That mission is always at top of my mind and man, the good feelings that flow from that, I mean, it's just outstanding. It's just everything. And I I love that you said start with impact because it's, you know, we've talked about this before that it's not automatic that that gift is going to translate into a tangible outcome. So that's your number one job outside of saying thank you, which we'll, we'll talk about, but getting that gift in motion, making sure that the infrastructure is in place, that you can talk about tangible outcomes all the time. And so it's not something that is hard to execute. That should just be running like a well-oiled engine. It should be sharing stories and impact all the time. Data points, all the things, left and right brain, both sides of it. But you've got to get money in motion. You have to actually be spending and following through on what you said you were going to do for a donor's sake. So we're up here in the strategy of it. We're in the ethos <laughs> of right. it. But like we want to dive into a couple stories today and into tactics because Yes, the handwritten thank you card is one of the most powerful tools in the world. I mean, John pulled some great data from the New York Times that says, not counting holiday cards and invitations, the average American household receives 10 pieces of personal mail a year. 10. So Easy you send for a you card to stand out. and you're 10% of the mail that arrived that's personal in someone's inbox. That's yes, insane. That's, that's insane. And yeah. what an opportunity. I mean, yes, we're living in a digital world. Yes, technology is driving interface and community and everything. So imagine how record scratching it is <laughs> when you go out to the mailbox and you see something that has your name written on it. Yeah. Um, it just, it kind of creates this like question mark above my head when I see it. It's like, oh, Thank you. I feel very seen. I feel very appreciated. And don't statistically people open their trash, open their mail over the trash can, right? I know I do. It's always been a depressing uh, factor. (laughs) So when you see that handwritten (laughs) note, I mean, it just stops and you get a warm hug before you even open it. 
So John and I did this thing one time. We had a theory. Of course, we have theories all the time. We don't know if they're ever going to work out. But we, we're going back to our healthcare organization. So years ago, we're starting to build this employee campaign. And without having any benchmark whatsoever of knowing how our employees are going to respond, we decide we are going to steward them relentlessly. And the biggest challenge there was we had no impact because we had never had a campaign before. And so we decided, well, if we haven't actually done the thing yet, we have not proven to our donors, you know, our people, our colleagues, that we are going to spend this money the way that we said we're going to spend it. So we're just going to steward the heck out of them. And so we decided as our little team of 10 people, um, and I know somebody's going to, Julie's probably getting hot um, and and feverish (laughs) thinking that we actually said we were going to do this and we did do it. We're going to give everybody who makes a gift to this campaign at any level, we're going to give them a handwritten thank you note. And then we- Icing on top. Yes. So (laughs) tell them what we did in addition to writing the handwritten thank you note to what ended up being over a thousand donors. We didn't just handwrite them. We decided we're going to hand deliver them. (laughs) So go back to Pony Express days, (laughs) right? (laughs) Like literally saddling up with all these handwritten cards and going out like guerrilla style marketing of stewardship in our own space. Among 10,000 people who are spread out all over the state, they are in cubicles, they are in the back of boiler rooms, they are on the hot plate line of the cafeteria, and we went and found them because there was something very profound about walking into a space with someone that you've never met before, who's made a first-time gift to something you're asking them to believe in, to extend your hand look him in the eye and say, this really meant something to me. And it's going to mean something to somebody next year. Thank you for being a part of it. And the shock on people's faces <laughs> when we did that, like, why are you here? You think, they think you're like the IRS or something showing up <laughs> first. Yeah, it was definitely not a publisher's clearinghouse kind of moment. So so it, 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 was, it was a drain by the last week. I will I'll be completely honest on that. But um, it was so joy-filling, too. And the surprise and the gratitude that came from someone receiving it was wonderful. We had a great campaign. We finished it up with 1,000 donors. Okay, start the next year. We go back. Did it again. And we are starting to see this movement of pinning these thank you cards up on their cubicles, up on their walls, on the back of their doors. And the more the campaign uh, got bigger, it got larger, and the community grew, the cards were growing on the wall. And what a cool movement to show what the value of a handwritten card can mean to one individual. And those people were bought in. They were all about it. And they could show, I've given four years in a row. I've given seven years in a row. It was really a cool thing. It's like, are you writing a card well enough that people would want to pin it up? You know, like Mm -hmm. you're taking this moment of intentionality. So make it good and make it meaningful. I want to throw one other hack that we did. If you're just getting started and you don't have an employee campaign to steward we started a program called Tadad, which is hilarious looking back on I this. I can't believe you brought up Tadad. This is hilarious. It was literally <laughs> called because we showed up and we felt like we didn't have relationships. We didn't know who our donors were. So we said, let's just start calling and saying thank you. And so it stood for thank a donor a day, Tadad. And that 
it ties back to my magician roots, which I appreciate. Oh my gosh. Someday we're <laughs> going to tell the story of John and his white tuxedo just, as a child magician. <laughs> just Another really day. thankful that YouTube was not around back then. <laughs> <laughs> but to Dodd was just so simple. And this is something anybody can do mm-hmm. is just pull a list and work from a list of your donors and everybody in the organization, top to bottom, front to back. Everybody calls one donor a day just to say thank you. It's an opportunity to hear somebody's story. It's so easy and it just starts the conversation. Both of these point to building movements and that's everything that we discuss and everything we describe is the snowball effect of doing something routinely and really creating a movement of people that just are so bought in and you can do that and it's super easy. And we're not saying you have to do it every single time. I mean, to be an incredibly smart, we always talk about working smarter, not harder, is you have people within your organization who are going to be the direct beneficiaries of that gift, whatever it is. So we're saying use the people that are closest to the impact to help you write those thank you notes. Yes, it means a lot when it comes from us because we are the recipient and we are um, the people who are going to honor that gift, you know, fiduciarily and just because we care about doing the right thing. But imagine if you're someone that works, you know, at a university and you have gotten a, a scholarship gift Find that scholarship recipient. I think we all know that. But what if we can't get the scholarship recipient? Does that mean we should stop there? No. Let's find their uh, professor, the department head. Let's find somebody who has benefited from the research that's done here. I mean, the amount of trickle effect of people who are close to that impact, who we could almost create like almost a little emotional movement for them to have some self-reflection and think about why this is important to me. And all of a sudden you have an immediate partner right there who's bought into the culture of philanthropy we're building. Yeah. And you just, it gives you the opportunity to figure out moments that you need to grab that megaphone. Like we talked about, I know Becky and I were talking with an old colleague this week and we heard a story of a student that came through and it could have just been a number, you know, honestly, when you're, when you're dealing in hundreds of students getting scholarships a year at some level, you know, it's hard to always pause and get to know everybody. But the power in getting to know people's story on the impact side um, was this. This you know, girl had pulled together all of her savings to come to the school, and she had— She was from North Carolina, right, you so know, from state. Oklahoma. So that's like a cross-country track. Yeah, so out of state, had saved all this money to pay for her college when her father got really ill, and ultimately he passed away. And she, instead of paying for her school, had put that money toward helping to fund and pay for his funeral. And I think we both had like an audible, like, oh my goodness, who is this person, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But the story didn't stop there. She, you know, tried to work part-time, got multiple jobs, tried to like make ends meet, but she just still didn't have enough to stay in this out-of-state tuition-based program. And she was going to have to find another way. And that's when the General Scholarship Fund stepped in. And, you know, they have this allowance for emergency situations like this. And that scholarship actually helped her go to school and finish and get her degree. And her story of, of receiving that, I think, is what was so poignant yep. because she pointed to it and said, I want a list of everybody who gave to this. <laughs> and they, they kind of laughed because it was their general fund. And so I know a lot of you guys have general funds where thousands of people, I think they said like 50,000 people had given to this fund over the last few years. So we're like, you know, I don't think you can send a note to 50,000 people. But what she could do is be given a megaphone for her story. Mm -hmm. 
And the message that she wanted to carry was that she just wanted all the donors to know that this allowed her dad. You're going to cry. No. She said, I hope that people understand that this gift has allowed me to make my dad proud. That's powerful. So who are those people that are recipients of your work, of your gifting, that you could give a megaphone to, that you can help the stewardship process? How, how much more meaning does that have than the general scholarship fund? You know, this student story is what it's all about. We talk about stories all the time, but how are you threading that through and knowing when to share that story, knowing when to use story to connect with somebody versus when to use stats. And there's both of those sides of the yeah, equation. You know? Yeah. And I think that there's a healthy balance and knowing who your donors are and how to leverage that is, is just a very smart thing to do. And how do, how can we use this to ignite movements again? And I think that also starts with your rabid fans. We talked about that yeah. last week is let's use these rabid fans. Let's give them these stories. Let's give them these missions. That student said, this was literally a quote from her, seeing that kind of generosity made me work harder. It made me realize the importance of good grades and that this gift and all of the donors were going out of their way to help me. So the least I could do was work my butt off here. That's what we can inspire by sharing these stories. And I thought Ross had such a good um, point in his episode two days ago. And they don't, not every donor wants tchotchkes, you know, (laughs) they don't want, we call them dust catchers. Not every donor wants something framed or a plaque or, I mean, this could be as much of a thank you to a donor for a massive, massive gift of knowing that they help someone in this way. And so that's really our challenge today is find a way to do this and embrace the whimsy. I mean, I, I do want to talk tactics just for a second because I just think there, there are so many creative ways to do it. We don't have to go with the pulling the heartstrings and making somebody cry every time. I mean, we've used a product called ThankView before in the past where you can just very quickly grab a video and, and it's so like 20 20 at this point, you know, everybody's got a phone and you can send something that's quick and poignant and unproduced. And we actually kind of like that it's unproduced because it's so raw and genuine. I mean, we've done food trucks and, and, um, sumo wrestling, you know, against different projects who were competing to raise more money. We did midnight ice cream Sundays, you know, for workers that were working late into the night on night shifts. Um, I just think there are so many things that you can do, um, to leverage the people in your group and the sphere of that rabid fan base that can help get these messages out and help us say thank you. So just steward relentlessly. Do it in a way that speaks to the donor that's going to resonate with them. And you can only do that by knowing people. So know your people and steward relentlessly. Grab that megaphone, grab a hand, whatever it takes, um, and just connect with people and then do it again and again because we want to launch unparalleled donor experiences. You got this. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you feel inspired to find ways to lean into the power of a thank you. Our donors, friends, family members, and coworkers deserve our gratitude. Did you know every week we share our best roundup of content, freebies, and notes heard on each episode? Head over to weareforgood.com slash hello to join our mailing list, and you'll hear from us weekly with resources and tips to help you do more for your mission. If you loved what you heard today, would you stop what you're doing and hit subscribe? It really does help more people find us and join our good community. Thanks, friends. 
I'm Julie Comfer, our producer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy Forsboom. Thanks for being here, everyone. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.